Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. My wife and I, we were, as we always do, having great conversations in the car yesterday. Things are so bad, it's kind of like A or B, you know. But I know, <laughs> we're just talking about the joy of the Lord, you know. I mean, life is, is not, it's not an easy life. I don't care what anyone says. Life, you start so great, doesn't it? <laughs> you start out as a child, you don't have any troubles. And then, uh, you know, as a teenager, you think it's even better. But then it starts to change very rapidly. And the only true joy we really have, because every other joy is fainting. The joy of romance, it, it, it can be there, but it's never, it's never going to be the answer, or even family or children or job or career. The real joy is Christ. Do you notice, Christian, when you start to talk about Jesus, you light up? You know, you could talk about your bank balance and it'll sink you down, or, you know, your health issue, or your cranky neighbor, or your bad boss, or you can go on about it, and they're all real things. It's not to deny them, but when you start to talk about him, you start to lift you start to get lifted, you start coming out of and you start to get a better perspective on life. So the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm not going to preach about that. I have something else this morning for you. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you. If you don't, please buy one. If you can't afford one, come to the church here. We'll get you a Bible. We'd be delighted to provide you with a Bible if you can't afford to get one. And uh, we really do want you to know the Word of God because that's the only way you're going to sustain in life. As Jesus said, that man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we have the mind of God here this morning, the beautiful scriptures that we can take solace in and we can, we can comfort ourselves in them in time of need, but we can also grow and get the meat of God's word. And it's an eternal word. Even when you read the old history stories of Israel of old, there is an eternal principle that work in God's word that transcends time, friends. And it, it comes into, the Bible says, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. That's what the apostle Paul said. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides bone and marrow. It goes right to the core of the issue. And uh, it does that as the wounds of a friend, like a surgeon going in to get to the core of our need, to get the core of what's wrong in our life and how God can bring his power and his redress to that. And so you must understand that the overtures of God to this world are, are the overtures of a friend, of a surgeon that wants to fix you and heal you and bless you. It's not the God that I grew up. I grew up under a religious God that was kind of a cranky grandfather at best. He kind of loved me one day, but he could smack me the next day. And he was always angry and you had to humor him. But that's not the God of the Bible, friends. That's a misrepresentation of God because the Bible says God is love. So anything that you understand love, the purity of love, then that is a, a vague, as we understand love, is just a vague picture of how beautiful he is because he is the one that gives love and the son of his love, Jesus. Thank God for such a wonderful sense of his presence. Nathan, worship was beautiful. And God is here this morning moving in our midst. I want to turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 23. And actually, it's a, it's a well-known story, because as a child, I, I was always fascinated by the story, of course, because there was a, we're coming into the latter stage of the children of Israel. They've been nearly 40 years journeying in the wilderness. God had brought them out through the miraculous uh, 10 plagues against the Pharaoh and the Egyptians and brought them out from 500 years of bondage. 500 years, they were slaves. You must remember now, they're a large population of people, some estimate between 1 and 2 million people. 
livestock, cattle, sheep, children, grandparents, cranky people, nice people, wicked, really wicked people. It's a, it's a huge society. There's a lot of stuff goes in any society. They're not this virtuous group of people coming out, you know, that all of a sudden the Jews were the most virtuous characteristics and they lived exemplary lives in Egypt and uh, they were always the ones that you could trust. No, 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 friends. You know, it was not like that. They were not a picture of virtue. They were not a picture of uprightness. But what they were was a faithful promise of God that God made to Abraham. God says, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And out of that nation, I'm going to give them a homeland. And out of that homeland, I'm going to produce a savior for the world. And that's the whole story. I know that people that God will elect to himself. And so the, the Israel people, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, were God's elected people to bring about his great salvation. And there's got a lot of great virtue and character to the Jewish people, don't get me wrong, but it's not because of that. They weren't saved because of their virtue or their character. It was the sovereign divine will of God and the purposes of God. God chose to love and chose to bless them. And so after 40 years, they didn't need to go into a wilderness. They went into a wilderness because of unbelief. And, you know, we read that in Hebrews in chapter 3, the very end. For, for Why did it not enter my arrest? Was it not for their own belief? When they came to it, even after all the mighty miracles that God had done from them, and they came to the precipice of a new land, into the land of Canaan, that God was saying, I'm disinheriting the Canaanites because they had become so evil. The Canaanites were into sacrificing their children. They were, they were a brutal warrior nation. Uh, I don't want to even go into descriptions of some of the manifestations that happened in that people, but they were a fiery, brutal very, very wicked people. And God said, I have enough of them. I'm going to block them out. I'm going to get rid of them. I'm going to cleanse them out of the land because they are a gangrene to the area. And I'm going to give that piece of land to the Jews. And from there, that will be my plan to execute the salvation of the world, the land of Israel. That's where Jesus, the beachhead, that's an old military term. You know, when they went into Normandy in World War II against the axis of evil, they went into Normandy first and created a beachhead. And from there, they would launch the attacks against Hitler. Well, God made his beachhead in Jerusalem. Amen. Or in that, you could say in Bethlehem, okay, where the Savior landed into the world, and that became now my take back time. And praise God, ever since the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. Amen. And so we have Israel here, and they are, they are being brought in, but they could have gone in earlier. They had all their slave mentality, all their sinful mentality. God had a lot to deal with when he dealt with these people. God had an awful lot. They're no sooner out. It's seen manifestations that you and I would have given our back teeth to see. Let's be honest. Can you imagine, you know, a pillar by day and, and, a, and a fiery pillar by, by day and a cloud, by, fire, pillar by night and a cloud by day and the presence of God. Can you imagine standing and seeing the Red Sea open up and, and, and walking across, not on soggy land, as you would imagine, and getting bogged down and a bit of a trek to get across, but walking across on dry land. And the manifestations of God was everywhere. I mean, the provision was everywhere. And then they come to a place, you know, you know with a bit of a twill. They come to reef of them, and there's no water there. And they start to complain and moan, and they're ready to stone Moses. And the hardening of their hearts was so quick. Everything started to change them. They started to harden against God. And it's like us, we can get touched by God today, as many are, many are this morning. And so quickly, someone cuts you off at the traffic light or, you know, things that just don't go your way this afternoon. The chicken is burnt in the oven or something. And all of a sudden, it's nearly like a, there's a manifestation that comes out of you. That's not altogether too godly or flattering. Well, that's what God has to deal with with us, isn't it? We're so moody. 
We're so changeable. We're not as nice as what we think we are. We have some nice attributes, I get it. But I'm telling you, sometimes you can do a lot of nice things and one foul moment can just eradicate that in everybody's mind because you just created such a colorful around you. And we're like that. We destroy so many beautiful things. We create them and we destroy them as fast. And yet this people, God, and, and I love that because it gives me such hope for myself. When I look at Israel, I see a, picture, a type of the church there and I see a type of Nick Cassidy in the narrative. Actually, if I I see myself everywhere. I'm the first to complain when things don't go my way. I'm the first to complain when I'm thirsty. I'm first when I'm hungry. I'm a brute altogether. I'm telling you, all reason goes out the window. Have I anybody else like that? You know, when you get hungry and you get so hungry, you lose all sense of rationality. You know, you're ready to swipe at everybody. You're ready to eat your children. You know, it's like, you know, that's it's amazing. Just a little bit of irritation, and things come out of our lives that are really, really, really very evil. I had the propensity for evil. That's what God was dealing with. Except he had a couple of million of them here. And now they had, it because, because of their foolishness, the hardening of their heart because of sin, ended up for 40 years sojourning in the wilderness. Now God supernaturally, so God knew what he had to do. It was one job getting the man out of Egypt, but it was another thing getting Egypt out of the man. So they came in with a slave mentality, and they, 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 they literally, the re-educating of the mind, the they had no sense of nationhood. They had no sense of togetherness. They had no sense of bond. All they did is, well, we just hate Egypt. We hated being slaves. And there's 12 tribes, and we see the history later on. They're all fighting each other at a later stage. You know, there's, there's clandestine behavior, there's suspicion. Yet they're all brothers. The 12 tribes are all brothers. You know, they're all under the one father. Yet division among them. And so I, I, I want to create you a picture that will give you a reality. Because I think when you read your Bible, the truth is far better than some of the fictions you hear from pulpits. That try to make people virtuous, and God chose them because they were such a good people. And He said to Moses, I'm not giving you this land because you're a good people, I'm just possessing them because they're a wicked people. So there's no good friends, there's nobody can stand, there's no racist people, regardless of the shade or color of your skin or socioeconomic background or education standard. Nobody, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so God is dealing with this people, friends, and yet. The plans and purposes of God. The calling and gifts of God. Romans tells us are without revocation. Those he calls, he justifies. And those he justifies, them he also glorifies. So it tells you something that there is a maker that's over you. Amen. Christian, it tells you something that in, in the story of your life, which is very similar to the story of Israel, because many of us have been on the edge of breakthroughs and then oh, because of our unbelief, 40 years in the wilderness... 40 years in a bad marriage. I remember hearing Billy Graham's daughter talk about her marriage once. Or hear, I heard the testimony of it. She married a man and he ended up being very brutal to her behind the scenes. He was meant to be a Christian. She was a very well-known Christian herself. Her dad was Billy Graham, one of the greatest ministers of all time. And uh, even Billy Graham, who never believed in divorce, according to him, he was thinking, man, she should divorce him. She was so unhappy. He was such a brute. But God gave her a word. God gave her a word. She says, you pray for him, you pray for him. And that marriage was in the wilderness for 40 years, but that man turned 50, maybe not 40 years, but symbolically 40 years. But when he turned 50, God did something in him. She said, God, did some, something happened, something changed, something broke. Now, he could have had that inheritance far earlier, had it broken earlier. That poor man brought himself to misery, his marriage to misery, but praise God, God is faithful. He brought him in and restored that marriage. Just a little sideline for anybody here today that has been sidelined through your own sin or the sin of others. God can still 
redeem the moment for you. Amen. God is in control. That's the story of the entire Bible. God is in control. Man spurns everything in the face of God. Man throws everything out there. Man has his manifestations, as I said, are absolutely wicked to the core. It amazes me how God loves any one of us. And I'm not lying and I'm not being self-effacing here. Because when you live long enough as a person, you look honestly at yourself. You don't even like yourself at times, friends. The mind's saying, love yourself. And yet God says, I still love you. Oh, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And when we get to the place like Israel, how have you loved us in this sort of, you know, but he has loved us. And so here we are here at the very precipice. Let me tell you the backup because I'm going to read you three portions of the story and, and maybe bring an application to our life. The background here, just in the previous chapters 20, we're going to chapter 23. But in chapter 22 and 21 before that, Miriam has died. That's Moses' sister. Um, you know, they, the children of Israel, 40 years later, are complaining again about a lack of water, and they're ready to stone Moses and Aaron before, and, and God had to step in there and bring water a second time from the rock. 40 years on. And then, so that, that miracle happens, then God takes Aaron from the mountain and, and, and puts his son and takes him to heaven. And so Aaron is dead, the priest. Miriam is dead. The children have rebelled. And then, if that's not worse, they start to moan again about the sort of food that they're eating. And God had sent serpents in among them, and their vipers are biting them, and they're, because they're so agitated, they're so out of step with the plan of God. God brought a severe discipline upon them, and many thousands of them died, and Moses had to make the brass serpent, and they had to look to that serpent and to be saved. This is the background to here. And now they're journeying. It's the plan of God who's going to bring them in. And as they journey through the different lands, they send envoys into uh, Moab and say, listen, let us pass through your land. We, we, we won't touch your water. If we do, we'll pay for it. You know, we won't graze your lands. We're just, we're going to this land and God is honest and, and Moab wouldn't let them pass. Moab didn't want them to go through. And they said, we'll pay for any water we use. You'll read it in the scriptures. So this is the sort of, so this is, an, this is a huge group of people. This is socioeconomic reasons going on. There's power at play. There's tribes, there's clans, there's other nations there. And Israel is a merging nation. They don't even see themselves as a nation. They're, they're more like fleeing refugees. That's what they kind of look like, you know, a bunch of old refugees trying to find their own sense of liberty and who they are and what they're about, you know. And it's amazing. I wanted to give you that picture because it's an accurate picture of how they felt going through their journey. They, you must remember, you go, back, you go back a thousand years ago in Ireland, we had no idea what nationhood was. We had a hundred different kings fighting each other. We learned nations from other, from other groups of people that broke through into nationhood, but we had no understanding of one nation. You know, what one nation, unity. We learned that from mother, other more advanced nations that kind of broke the mold and brought it together. And Israel was back then. They were, they were embracing life. Life started back in the garden and man had to embrace not just consciousness, but relationship with God and learned the journey of romance of learning. And that's what happened. And so even then, we must understand the thinking of the oriental mind, the ancient mind as well. And so they, they are basically looking just for a homeland. We just wanted some crops. We want some food. That's as far as they see. They don't see Doyle or in there. They don't see, you know, the House of Commons or the White House. They, that, that's alien to them at this stage. To them, it's just bread and butter issues. And, and yet, it, you might be like that this morning, thinking, for me, it's just about bread and butter issues. But I want to tell you, there's a White House for you and there's a House of Commons for you because God's doing something in you. Do you understand? You think, oh, I just need to pay the bill tomorrow. I just need to get a better job. I just need... And you run around like them and you're so earthly minded. But God is saying, no, I see something bigger in you. I see something greater in you. 
something more than you are more than the sum total of what you have. Jesus said that. He said a man's life does not consist of the abundance of which he has. That's not who you are. You are who God says you are. And there's a hand, the hand of God is on you as it was in this people. And they didn't fully realize what that meant. But the devil did. And so there's, they're now at this place where they, all these sins are just weeks behind them. And they're going to Moab. And the king of Moab at the time, a very unsavory, unsavory character he was. Actually, the title of my message is Don't Listen to Wasters. His name means waster. I remember going up here in Cork, if you called somebody a waster, <laughs> it wasn't a flatterer. It wasn't flattering them. But his, his name was Balak. And he was the king over Moab. And his name means waster or annihilator. So he lays places to waste. He annihilates things. He's a destructive man. And he had sent words to a foreign prophet called Balaam that back in those words, we don't fully understand the relationship between some of the shamans and, 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 and prophets that God seemed to endow certain men abilities to see into spiritual realms. Now, this man was a foreign prophet, so he did not know the Lord, God of, and yet he used his, his, he used his sorcery and his magic arts to curse nations, and he was known for that. And so he is summoned to come. Balak summons him for chapter 23, reading verse 1. Then Balaam said to Balak, build seven laws. Sorry, we won't read from there. So, sorry, they summoned, let me just give you the background. They summoned Balaam to come and to curse the people of Israel. And the Lord speaks to him on the way. He says, now, if you are going to go with these men, you only do what I tell you. So that was a revelation to him. The Lord spoke to him. For the first time, he was used to getting his, his, his visions from the dark side. And now the Lord speaks to him. And as he's going to, to Balak, he's on his way. But in his heart, he's a mercenary. He's a spiritual mercenary. He's like one of those guys you come and pay money to see your fortunes. There's no love there for the people or to curse people. He doesn't care about people. He cares about money. He cares about power. He's got a craft. He's got a, a, some sort of gift, as you'd say. But he is foreign to the God of Israel. And on that journey, of course, to go to Balaam's journey on his donkey, and the angel of the Lord confronts him on the way. And that's the background story here. And we, any, any of our kids in Sunday school will have learned this story. The, the donkey just perceives that the angel of the Lord is on the highway in front of him and won't go a step further. And he's beating the daylights out of the poor donkey. And the donkey bucks a little bit and crushes his leg against the wall. And he beats him again until God opened him out of the donkey. And the donkey said, why are you beating me? You know, the guy's so frustrated, he doesn't even, he doesn't think for a moment that the donkey is, he said, you just crushed my leg. He's what he basically says, you know. Anyway, not, not the fact that the donkey spoke to him. He was just so vexed. He was so angry that things didn't work out. Do you know, sometimes you can be so angry and God speaks to you through somebody you just don't hear them. You know, and a donkey, but he cops it, the donkey's speaking to me. And the donkey said, I've been with you since I was a young fool. Why would, I, why would you think I'm stopping? And then the Lord opened his eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord and, and the angel of the Lord warned him that you speak nothing other than what I tell you over this people. And that is the story here. He comes eventually to Balak and the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said to him, return to Balak and thus you shall speak. So he returned to him and said, there he was standing by his burnt offering, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab has brought me from Aram, from, these, from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me 
and come denounce Israel? How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? From the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There are people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. That's why Israel didn't even see itself as among the nations. It just saw itself as refugees. This is what he says. Who can count the dust of Jacob or even number a quart of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. Then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies. And look, you have blessed them bountifully. Now you have to read what he's saying here. He says, he said, I looked over these people. He was at a height. He was on a mountain looking down on the, on the children of Israel and God's people. And he sees them encamped there. And he sees them in their, in their millions. And he's looking down over them. He says, you know, who can even count a quarter of them? Now that was prophetic because you could count a quarter of the population. That wouldn't be a big deal to count a quarter. What he's saying, I see a posterity in them that you won't even be able to count the dust. You won't be able to count a quarter of their seed. There's something great in them. And he says, I see a righteousness in them. I see something in them. And I would wish I could die as one of them. And this is what he's professing over God's people. He was brought in to curse them, but he couldn't curse them. He had to see, because God showed him what he sees in his people. God opened Balaam's eyes and said, Balaam, I want you to see what I see in my people. You could see, if it was me or you, we could have gone up to that height and we could have looked over and we said, oh man, look at that Jewish guy there. He's sleeping with her, not his wife. Look at that other Jewish girl. She's robbing chickens over here. Look at that guy dealing on the side. Look at this one. You would have found it all. Don't think for one second that this was a virtuous house. Only weeks earlier, as I said, they're ready to stone Moses and Aaron. And then they're complaining to God who's supernaturally providing food for them. And he puts vipers in there. They're a stiff-necked people. You could have had plenty to criticize. And yet God says to Balaam, I'm going to show you how I see them. And that's what you're going to speak. And I want to say that for us this morning, Christian. What a comfort that is. What a comfort it is when we get a glimpse of how God sees us. What a comfort it is for those of us who have our failings and our failures. For those of us that struggle. For those of us that have that genetic bent towards this or that or whatever it may be. For those of us who have that cultural link to a heritage that's not wonderful and hard to break out of. For those of us who have had so much ignorance in our past, we started in life with a minus 50. For those of us who are so educated, we started our, mi- our lives at a minus 100 because we had to get over our own intellect. And yet God sees something over you. He sees something in you and me. And of course, Balak, he's, he's, he's raging because he knows that this man's word has power to curse and to bless, or so he perceived it. Because nobody can curse you, friends, let me tell you, because if they curse you, God will curse them back, amen. But if they bless you, God will bless them back. We'll read that later on, exactly. It's an amazing Christian. You know, I, I have friends in Africa, and I do believe that there is, there is witch doctors, and I do believe in the powers of dark magic, that they are there. But I want to tell you, God turns it back in their head. You can't touch the head of the righteous. Uh, you belong to the Lord, amen. Many, uh, many uh, Balaam has been called in to curse the people of God, and God turns it back every time because he sees something in his people, amen. Hallelujah. You need to see something in yourself this morning. You need to see yourself as, as God sees you. You need to understand and discern what the word of the Lord is saying when God sets out a plan, a great plan, to bring you to a righteous end. 
And that's the thing, friends. You must believe in the heart of God towards you today. And so Balak is absolutely raging. And so he answered and said, Must I take heed to speak what the Lord has put into my mouth? And Balak said to him, Please come with me another, to another place from which you can see them, and you will see them from another part, and you would curse them from there. It's amazing, you know. I want to show you another angle of those Christians. All right, you might think they're okay. I'm going to bring you to another place. I want you to see the Christian on a Monday morning. I want you to show you what it's really like. And you can curse that Christian or curse that Jew. It's the same picture type, of course. And so he's brought, Balaam is brought to another angle. He's shown something else. You know, look at him from this point of view, Balaam. I know you saw them from up the mountains and you're saying this great thing over them, but you don't look at all the angles. You don't see all the issues concerning this people. They are a rotten people. They are this people or that people or the other. And that's what the devil says about you and me, friends. Oh, people don't know that other side of you. There's another angle to look at you. And so he goes there again a second time. And it says, Then he took up his oracle and he said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, not a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Hallelujah. The shout of a king is among them, friends. Hallelujah. I said, the shout of a king is among them. He saw something. He said, I see no iniquity. What a, what a, what a statement to make. What a statement. To walk in and observe them now from a second angle. Maybe down close and personal. Have a look at it. In actual fact, I think the place he bought him to was called the Wasteland. He's looking at the waster side of us. The, you know, the, the weakest Christian. The ones that live in the wasteland. Just weak Christians and strong Christians. But thank God it is the power of God in us that will bring us to heaven. Amen. There's those of us, friends, that will, that will bear much more fruit than others. It doesn't need to be that way. Hallelujah. It doesn't need to be that way because there is in God for you and for me a fountain that still flows, friends. And yet he's brought to this other place. And he's there to curse him. But he, he looks at Israel from that. He looks at the people of God. And he says something. I think, I think it is so incredible. First of all, he says, God is not a man that he should lie. Because he's already made the first pronouncement. Nor is he the son of man that he should repent. In other words, God's not going to change his mind. He doesn't lie. And he doesn't change his mind. I want you to hear that this morning for your life. He doesn't lie when he calls you son and daughter. And he doesn't change his mind. Hallelujah. I'm not changing, Balak, just because you want me to do it. Even though I'm a wicked prophet, I know who I'm dealing with this morning. I'm dealing with the God of heaven. And I see something in the eyes. I don't see any iniquity in Jacob. What a statement. What a statement. Again, if Nikasi was there, I would have found a million things wrong with those people. I'm telling you why, because it's, I, I'd only be voicing what's wrong in me, projecting it onto others, because I'm just like them, and they're just like me. I want to tell you, friends, we're all the same. There's nobody better than you. There's nobody worse than you. We're all in the soup, friends, when it comes to fallenness and brokenness. And yet, he says this, I see no iniquity in Jacob. I see no iniquity. 
I see no sin in them. I see nothing that I can condemn in them. And I want to tell you this morning, friends, you and I as Christian men and women, clean before my Lord I stand. And in me not one blemish does he see. That is the pronouncement of Christ over his church when he said to his disciples and all who followed him, you are clean because of the words I speak over you. No longer are you servants, but I call you friends. You've been brought nigh, friends. You've been born again in the Spirit. And he says, I see among them the shout of a king. He saw in them the seed of Christ, friends. They didn't even know they were going to have a king. They didn't even know they were going to be a nation. They had no idea. They were just bracing the next step, the next move as a people. But yet this man could see, I want to tell you, hell sees the potential in the church of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, friends, in you and in me, God's people, there is a shout of a king. The Holy Spirit of God came up and took residence in your life. When you opened the door, he came in. What a great comfort to know this morning that I'm not just obeying a set of rules and regulations. I'm being led, led and guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God this morning, in him we live and we move and have our being. But thank God this morning, it pleased the Father to reveal his Son inside in you and I. That when I came to him in all my brokenness, fleeing like a refugee out of hell, on the edge of a desert, moaning and bickering about my lot in life, and yet he put his love upon me, yet he put his hand upon me, yet he put his purposes upon me. And he's not, he's not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of a man that he would turn, change his mind. That he said, I have begun the good work in you, and I am faithful to complete it. I want to tell you this morning, whatever hell says about you, whatever curse they try to come against you, I am who he says I am. I am a son and daughter of the living God. I've been born again, not of the perishable things, but of the word of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Purchased and brought in. Fellowship with God. Call a son and daughter. You go get higher than son and daughter. Pastor is not higher than son or daughter. The highest thing you can be called in the kingdom of God is a son or daughter, friends. Apostle isn't higher than son or daughter. Son or daughter is an intimate thing where God says, I called you my daughter. I called you my son. You are mine. He can't get any more intimate by revealing himself as father. The Jews didn't know him as father. Jesus revealed the father. The Jews had to embrace a gradual understanding of what monotheism looked like. They became trapped in a singular thinking because only when Jesus came, we got a complete picture of who God was. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A community of oneness working out of love, through love and with love to bring out of this shapeless world, friends, a people that would love him and enjoy him forever. Such is the promise of God over his people this morning. I have not observed iniquity. Oh, I want to tell you, the devil might be sitting on your shoulder. What about this morning? What about yesterday? And the Lord says, I don't see it. That's the battle of faith. It's under the blood. Hallelujah. You come to me, it's covered. Ha, I've got it, amen. My salvation is complete. My hands, I speak over you. You're clean because of what I say over you. Hallelujah. You're, you're saved because I've saved you. You're sons because I've called you sons. You're children because I've made you children. I've brought you on eagle's wings. I've borne you. 
on the cross that we celebrated this morning when we sung about the nail-scarred hands of Christ. Dry your, your eyes this morning, friends, and raise your countenance and stop believing the lie of, of the, the, the ballocks of this world, the wasters of this world, when they come in with their attitudes and they come in to lay waste of all faith. I talked to the young friend this morning. We talked about the atheists and the intellectuals. They're trying to lay waste to faith. And they have no friends. They have no answer. They have no peace. They have no joy. They have no purpose. Life to them is nothing but a lucky dip. Life to them is nothing other than some sort of neutrons and protons coming and merging together and just aimlessly going through this world. I want to tell you, God elected you. God put his hand upon you. God has been speaking to you from the day of your conception. He spoke to you in the womb, but you don't remember. I think one day you will remember. He nurtured you all the way through, brought you to this life. And even when some prematurely made with death, he met with them, friends. He talked to them. He gave them every opportunity because that's the God that we serve. Amen. He's a God that goes beyond the preachers. He's a God that goes beyond the oracles of just speaking the word. He's a God that can make his way to every heart, no matter what part of the world, no matter what rainforest you come from, no matter what alien part of this universe you live in, God has the power of his spirit to come and awaken life in any man. That's the gospel of Jesus, the saving power. And so he came, Balak said to him, neither cursed him, but please don't be blessing them. Can you imagine, Balak at this stage is raging twice, he's blessed the people of God, he said, for heaven's sake, I brought you here to curse them, but and you, fair enough, you're not going to curse them and don't bless them. I want to tell you, God can't help himself this morning. God should curse us. God should say that a lot of us should be sent into a lost eternity. I'm going to tell you right now, just in the normal manifestations, well, we are so fickle. We're just, like, we're just like Israel of old. Up one minute, down one minute, mourning one minute, groaning, praising one minute, cursing the next minute. And yet, God says, I don't see iniquity in you. I see the shout of the king. He lives in here to see and so the blessing of God. Hallelujah. And he said to him again a third time, come to another place. Let me show you another angle on these Christians. Let me show you another angle on these Jews. You, you, you didn't get the whole picture, Balaam. Come on, third time, I'm going to bring you to another place, and you're going to look at them, and you're going to see them, and you're going to just hate them, and you're going to curse them. Now when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go out as other times to seek to use sorcery, but he set his face towards the wilderness, and Balaam, Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes. And the Spirit of God came upon him. That must have shook him. I tell you, he had the spirit of demons many times, but the Spirit of God came upon him and shook him, friends. And he took up his oracle and he said, The utterance of Balaam, son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened. Wow. The utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the visions of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open? Can you imagine this man that is engaged with darkness all his life? And all of a sudden he sees the Lord. I want to tell you, friends, you don't have passive encounters with God. Oh, I just saw God there last night. It was nice. No, I enjoyed him very much. No, friends, when you have an encounter with God, your eyes wide open and it's down on your face before him. That's, that's an encounter with God. When I was born again, something supernatural happened. I didn't join a new religion. I didn't leave some old dead religion to join a new religion. I came into a relationship that I can speak about my testimony that no man can take from me. No intellectual, no intellectual cannibal can come and take and eat my brain, friends, because my heart has been born again. 
something of heaven has transcended this physical flesh and landed into my heart. And even in my worst of days, he still brings me joy. I might not enjoy anything else that day. Everything else might be sawdust in my mouth, but I want to tell you this. He is the joy of my life. He is the joy of my salvation. He is the rock of my salvation. And so this man says, you fall down with eyes open wide. And then he says, how lovely are your tents, O Jacob. Your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars besides the waters. He shall pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be many, uh, his seed shall be in many waters. And the king, his king shall be, his king shall be higher than Aga, and his kingdom shall be exalted. Oh, see, he's now beginning to prophesy into a he. Because he's speaking over the people, but out of the people is going to come the seed, the Savior. He's speaking now to Christ. He's beginning to see a revelation that not only does God justify the Old Testament saints and put his hand and providence over them, but there is going to come the champion who's going to be a king higher than Aga. How God is going to bring him out of Egypt. Oh, what a prophecy when we see Jesus coming out of Egypt. Hallelujah. He is strength like a wild ox. He shall overcome the nations and his enemies. He shall break their bows and pierce them with his own arrows, his bows. He bows down, he lies down as a lion and as a lion who shall rouse him. Blessed is he who blesses you and cursed is he who curses you. Then Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam and he struck his hands together and he said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies and look, you have bountifully blessed him. These three times now they shall flee from this place. Oh, I'm telling you, I don't think he gave him five minutes to get out alive. But you have to say what you see, friends. You might observe a Christian. You might see the iniquities and you might see the failures. We've never, ever justified our failures as Christians and say it's okay. It's never okay. But we want to say there's a word. There's one who speaks a better word. There's one who speaks a better testimony of us. And he's put his promises that are yes and amen over your life. So whatever you're going through today, whatever accusation the enemy is putting upon you, I want to tell you this. He is not a man that would change his mind. He's not a man that would change his mind, friend. That what God has done, what God has purposed of Israel of all, he brought to pass. And what God has purposed in you in life, I see no iniquity in you. I see the shout of the king. I see Christ in you. I'm not going to be offended with another Christian because I see Christ in them. I'm going to cover that sin in the blood because Christ has forgiven them, so shall I. Because Christ has forgiven me and I hope you forgive me. And I see Christ in you and you see Christ in me. And I see the shout of a king in me. And I see the shout of a king in you. And I see an army that's unstoppable. I see a church that rises up in faith and believes all that God has said about her. Moving out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because this is what God said. And you can imagine how Israel must have been aghast when the rumor came back. Some freaky prophet came from Aram to curse you. Do you know what he said? No, what did he say? He said he didn't see any iniquity in you. I don't believe that, right? No, loads of, those are Jews are committing iniquity. But that's what he said. I see the shout of a king. And when the king is living in you, friends, the kingdom is in you. And the power is in you. And the glory is in you. And God, who started the good work in you, We'll finish it. We'll bring it to completion. It would be pleased to bring it to completion. Stay on the road. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Listen to what God says. I see in you, every Christian, a shout. Every Christian, a testimony. Every Christian declared righteous 
and exalted above oh, every other testimony that laid against you, even your own testimony of yourself. God is the best one to appraise who you are, not you. When God says you're clean, you learn how to say thank you very much. Amen. When God says you're righteous, you say, God, you're very kind. When God says you're mine, you say, Lord, I'm not going to doubt you anymore. Forgive me, Lord. When God says you're coming to heaven, don't be the reluctant bride running down the altar and out the door. Say, I'm going to heaven, Jesus. Amen. Will you stand with me, Cork Church, this morning and just rejoice just for one minute. I know I've gone over time, but you know what? It's, it's something. It's something for you to hold on to this morning because I know how the enemy works. He comes to condemn you. He comes to attack you. He comes to curse you. He comes to say, you're useless. You're amount to nothing. You're a nobody. But I want to tell you, the word of the Lord says, I see no iniquity in you. I see the shout of the king in you. I see the promises of God over you. And if you could just begin to embrace that this morning and begin to honor the Lord, God will come in all his power and he'll undergird you. Let me tell you, that people, they were only bickering days earlier. That people went on to take a land, friends. That people went on to become a nation, the nation of Israel. That nation took its place among the nations of the world. And let me tell you, friends, all these 2,000 years later, not just Calvary, 274 Nobel Peace Prize people came out of that nation. Some of the greatest scientists, some of the greatest minute breakthroughs in this world, but most of all came the Savior of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, they might have the best songwriter in Bob Dylan. They might have the best Einstein, because he's a Jew. They might have them all, friends, but I want to tell you, there's only one. His name is Jesus. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is the shout of our hearts today. So whatever your circumstance is, he is bigger than your circumstance. Whatever your failure is, he's bigger than your failure. Whatever your need is, he can meet it this morning. You just need to embrace what he says of you. You need to say, I receive a lot. I don't feel very clean, but I receive it. In Jesus' name. And as you receive it, then the power of the Holy Spirit begins to work through you to bring about that conforming to the image of Christ. Hallelujah. Raise your hands. It's just where you are. Thank you. Just a few minutes. Thank him. Just praise him for such a wonderful salvation. Just praise him this morning. Come on. Yeah, clap to the wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. We curse the enemy this morning, oh God. Hallelujah. Anyone who rises up against you will be cursed, the Bible says. God, it's a self-fulfilled prophecy for them. But those who bless you, God will bless. Hallelujah this morning. God is with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise the name of the Lord this morning. Oh, Jesus, we glorify you. Come on, let's just worship for a moment or two before God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you come up and just lead us in prayer. I know you put the jacket on. Probably have to go there. Get a, get a microphone and let's pray. We're going to sing and we're going to pray. And we're going to ask the Lord that that victory drops into our spirit this morning. Amen. That victory will come into our spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Hallelujah. Lord God, we pray for every one of us now. We believe <laughs> oh, what you say. Yes, Lord. We believe what yes, you say, Lord. oh God. We lay aside our past. We lay aside the accusations of the enemy. Oh God, we repent for listening to oh, what they God. say. Oh. But we listen to what your word says. Yes, There's no iniquity amongst us no. because of Christ. No. Hallelujah, Lord. One more time, we, we, we say we, we, we align ourselves with you. Yes. We align ourselves yes. with your word. Yes. We, believe in, yes. we believe in the victory yes. of the cross. Amen. We believe in the victory that Christ Jesus has won Thank and you, has Lord. given to us, oh God. I pray, Lord, for every believer amongst, uh, amongst us here now. From from the youngest to the oldest, from the weakest to the strongest, in the name of Jesus, we pray a reviving of the hearts. We pray one more time, oh God, a strengthening of resolve, one more time, a belief. 
yes. oh God, in what you've done. Yes, we say, Lord. yes, Lord, we receive. Oh, and as a church, we say, thank you. Hallelujah. As a church, we say, thank, thank you. Lord. As a church, we say, thank you. As a church, we say, thank you. As a church, we say, thank you. We say, thank you. Thank you for what you've done, oh God. Thank you that you hold, you hold nothing against our names, but you call us sons. You call us daughters. And we revel in this right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, O God. Lord, no matter, Lord, where those words came from, Lord, whether it came from a parent, Lord, a partner, oh God, a boss, Lord, Lord, an enemy, Lord, a friend, oh God, no matter where that curse came from, oh God, Lord, it stands for nothing, oh God, because of your declaration over us, oh God, that we belong to you, Jesus. Lord, there's a shout of the King, oh God, Lord, in this camp, oh God, Lord, in this, in our hearts, oh God, Lord, because of what you have done, because of what you have declared over us, oh God, oh Father, Lord, we choose, Lord, Lord, to take you at your word, oh God. Hallelujah. And this morning, Lord, our hearts yes, are encouraged, yes, oh God. Lord. It doesn't matter what has been said about us, oh, oh God. God. It doesn't matter what, 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 what we've even said about ourselves, oh God. It doesn't matter, oh God. Lord, what you say is greater, oh God. It's greater, oh God. Oh Lord, we take you at your word, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, oh God. We thank you, oh God. We thank you, oh God. We bless you this morning, oh Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thanks for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.